Good morning, faithful. How's everybody doing today? Man, can you guys believe Pentecost is already here? It seems like just a couple weeks ago we were celebrating Easter together. I'm kind of blown away how uh, even though we're in this pause, we're in this time where, where a lot of you aren't even able to go to work. That time is flying. Time is flying by. So tell me, what's what's new in your world? What have you been up to? I know a lot of you guys are at works this weekend. You're racing. Praise God for that. I'm excited to uh, see results and see you guys are doing. Praying for you guys. Praying for our Team 2 racers. All our family and friends are in works. God bless you guys. Be safe. Be fast. And know that I uh, can't wait to be with you guys again, to pray over you, to love on you. How about any trips? Anybody go anywhere? Are you planning to go somewhere? I know it, I cannot wait <laughs> for this travel ban for my job to be lifted so I can go somewhere, anywhere, besides the doctor for my knee. <laughs> so I know I'm uh, getting a little antsy. I want to do something. I, uh, I'm afraid that I'm going to go wild this summer. You know, I'm afraid a lot of us are going to go wild and, and try to do things and go places. Because it kind of seems like we've been on a desert island, right? It seems like we've been kind of all locked away and, and we can't do what we want to do. We can't go where we want to go. We can't, we can't enjoy that freedom that as Americans we're so used to, right? But I want you guys to think for just a moment. I want you to consider this. That lack of freedom that we've had for the last few months, how about if that was our life all the time? How about if we lived in a communist country where, where they can't go where they want to go? They can't do what they want to do. It's tough. I need you guys to realize how blessed we are in America. How blessed we are to have personal freedoms. To even be able to meet. I mean, right now, a few of you are in my backyard. We're meeting. We're, we're being the church. We're social distancing and we're outside, but we're still meeting. We're still having this, this freedom. Man, there's... There's places in China where if we had this many people, it'd be shut down. It would be deemed an illegal home church and it would be shut down. So be grateful. Be thankful. We've been busy. Ginny and I have been extremely busy. Uh, we just completed our associates program through Quest um, Transformation Institute. It's been great. I've learned so much in the last year. I am, I am blown away what God's doing in my little brain. How God's allowing me to see the scripture in a way that I've, I've never seen before. I've never understood it the way that I understand now. I've learned words like hermeneutics. And uh, I know it's a big word. <laughs> it's just how to study the Bible. How to, how to tear it apart. How to look into it. It's been great. And I'm excited because I'm starting my bachelor's program June 8th. 
Woo, tally ho. Here we go. Time to get busy. Time to uh, once again put on my thinking cap and uh, and see what God has. Because you know what? I take this seriously. I take it seriously being being your teacher, being your pastor, being being the person that shares Jesus with you. Because honestly, I just want you guys to be better disciples. I want me to be a better disciple. I want all of us to be able to connect and understand and really press in to what Jesus is saying in our lives. You know, this week I was blessed and I had a pie hop, uh, the house of prayer in Pasadena, uh, speak over Jeannie and I, give us a call and speak into our lives. I was blown away how accurate they were with what's going on in my life. And they said something that, that really clicked with me. It really stuck in my brain. And it was like, Jay, it's like, it's like you've been walking through cement in your life. But you didn't let it slow you down. You actually allowed it to be footprints that other people could follow. And when you looked ahead, you were following Jesus' footprints. And I was like, whoa, that's huge. What, what a great message for me to hear in this season of my life. To realize that, that even though we're going through some tough times, and even though many of you might, may feel like you're walking through cement right now, I want you to remember that you could be forging a path. What you're doing could literally change people in behind you. You could be setting up a highway for believers, for, for other Christians to be able to walk forth in victory, to be able to understand Christ. <sighs> Don't get me started, man. I'm so excited about that message because I just feel like it's a big deal. I'm excited about what God's doing in our community in Ridgecrest. Uh, Ginny and, and Ruth were able to go over to Bakersfield this week, and uh, we got the lighthouse signed up for CityServe. We were able to give our first giveaway of, of fresh fruits to, uh, to the city of Ridgecrest. And we had two huge pallets of fresh fruit. And we were able to serve probably 50, 60 families with that, with that food. What a blessing. And you know what? That's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. God is moving in the city. He is, he is doing things that, that allows people to go, huh, what's going on in that little city of Richcrest? What's going on over there? <sighs> I love it. I mean, we still have a lot of, we still have a lot of things going on. We still have a lot of uh, a lot of mountains to climb, a lot of a lot of barriers to move. But I can tell you, God's going to shine here. God's going to do big things in our little city. This pandemic has has really lit a fire under our butts. Um, and I, for one, I am I am grateful that God is moving. Man, I can't believe it's Pentecost Sunday.
this is just such a big deal because we've kind of been preparing for today for a while. Jeannie and I have been uh, fasting a lot and we've been trying to get our minds right about what this week meant. What this season meant. I am just really hoping that God moves in a big way in our country to, to restore faith and, and bring us all to a place of repentance and holiness because that's, that's what we need. That's what we need in America. That's what we need in Ridgecrest. We need to be in a place of repentance and holiness and striving to be closer to our God. You know, Acts talks about Pentecost what this day was. Why we still celebrate it as Christians today. This is Acts 2, 1 through 4. It says, When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind. And it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as a fire, which parted and came to rest on each and every one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in different tongues, in different languages, as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. It's crazy. What happened at Pentecost was really what set the stage for, for the Holy Spirit and, and how we relate with Him today. You know, that was when, when Jesus gave the Comforter that He promised in John that he promised when he was with the disciples that he would give. The Holy Spirit fell down on the 12. And, and even those that were present, he came down to all the believers that day. It's huge. <laughs> In Judaism, um, what we call Pentecost, they called the Festival of Weeks. The Hebrew for that is Shavat. Um, it's, a, it's a harvest festival. Uh, it's celebrated seven weeks and one day after the first Sabbath of the, of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is Passover, right? The mention of, of 50 days actually comes from Leviticus 23, 16, where it would see, you know, seven weeks and one day after the Passover. It's when they would celebrate this Shabbat. You read the Bible and you just kind of think that there in Acts 2, they were, they were there for Pentecost. But that's not what was going on. They were there celebrating Shabbat. All the Jews were in Jerusalem celebrating Shabbat. Jews from all over. From all over. From Rome and, and Mede and, and Spain, wherever. I mean, many different people were represented with many different languages. It's important that we understand that, that God made sure that, that many languages would be present that day. So that when they were filled with the Spirit and they started speaking in different tongues, it mattered. It had to be a big deal. God moves when it brings Him glory. I want you to picture yourself there at Pentecost. I want you to see yourself, an American, in Jerusalem, they start speaking in, in tongues. 
And I'm going to tell you, at that time, I don't think anyone spoke English. So all of a sudden, you start hearing them speak in English to you. All of a sudden, somebody's yelling at you and telling you how much God loves you. How Jesus came to save you. How, how you were loved by God. That Jesus died to forgive you of your sins. How humbling would that have been? It would have been amazing. I think about that, about me, the American kid over there, and what it would have been like for me to have been at that moment and all of a sudden hear my native tongue and them telling me how much Jesus loved me. Come on. How powerful is that? That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And that's, that's the kind of miracle that God loves. Because it draws people to his son, Jesus. Those are the kind of signs and wonders that, that when people see that, they're like, okay. I don't know what's going on there, but that stuff's real. I'm excited about how God is stretching all of us lately. I'm starting to understand and perceive complex ideas of faith. I mean, I love when I get to study the Greek and, and I start to understand the difference and how the New Testament uses Greek words. It's exciting. This week, I really felt God telling me to dive in, to dive into some Greek words. God was asking me to dive into the word Rima to understand the difference between Rima and Logos. I mean, both words mean, well, word. <laughs> That's what it means, word. Jesus is the living Logos in John 1.1. The word was with us. The Bible is the written Logos, Hebrews 4.12. And the Holy Spirit utters the spoken logos in 1 Corinthians 2.13. The meaning of rima, in contrast to logos, is when a word is directly spoken in such a way as to, as to move the church or a person in the direction that God is wanting them to go. One of the illustrations I found was in Ephesians 6. 16 through uh, 17, it says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Rima of God, where the reference is not to the Scriptures as a whole, but to that, to that portion which the believer wields as a sword in that time of need, which, which is the word of God. That's a rima word. Something that edifies, something that, that changes the direction of the church, that changes the believer. When you wield that spirit, when you wield that sword, the word of God, now you're doing something with that word. You're doing something with the Rima. It's powerful. 
That is what I want for all of us today. That on this day of Pentecost, we hear something that changes our direction. Something that burns a fire in our hearts and allows our faith to increase. We are all going through something right now. We're going through life. Some of us are sick. Some of us have lost our job. Some people have had death in their lives. I mean, the last four months, each of us has had something happen. Each of us has faced a trial. We have all had some news or event change the direction that our life was going. Corona changed all of our lives. But for some people, it was and still is devastating. You know, history has a way of repeating itself. It cycles. Even in faith, God has constantly tried to get his children, Israel, to develop a relationship with him. I mean, the flood, slavery in Egypt, even the temple being destroyed or, or being hauled off to Babylon. They just keep repeating. Sin just keeps stacking up. And, and even though the whole Jewish culture was built upon following laws, they just couldn't. They couldn't follow the laws and have a, a relationship with God. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 13 says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings to us on whom the culmination of ages was, has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful you do not fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to all mankind. And God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. But he will provide the way out so that you can endure it. God provided the way of escape for all of us. That's Jesus. For some reason, we are living in a time where again, the religion of God and the laws of the Jews are starting to creep into our faith. We have been given the Holy Spirit to, to work miracles in our life, to be our comforter, our defender. Jesus told us that we would do greater things. John 14, 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. He goes to the Father, and he promises the Holy Spirit. He promises the Comforter. Come on. It's huge. And yet today we have so many groups telling us that, that the miracles of the apostles are, are no more. That all that stopped when the Bible was finished. You know, I spent some time looking at this, trying to understand where this came from. I'm not going to tell you, I, I struggle with it. I mean, why would God spend so much time in the Bible? Why would he bring up so many different aspects of the Holy Spirit and of miracles? Why would the gospel be full of it? Acts, full of it. Why would Paul and all the apostles continue to do miracles? And, and Stephen and, and everyone that was involved in the early church. Miracles and signs and wonders are what brought people to salvation. That's what allowed them to believe. 
what was going on that, that there was power in the name of Jesus. The scripture that that they get this from is here in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12. I'm going to read it and we'll talk about it. It says, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I become a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, but then, then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then, then I shall know and I will be fully known. So that's kind of confusing to me where they, where they read this and where they see this as, as teaching that when the Bible is complete, then prophecy will fall away. When tongues will fall away. When the apostles will fall away. I mean, I guess maybe if I stopped reading it right here at, you know, when it says, for we know in part or we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. I guess if we stopped right there, maybe I could understand. But it goes on and it talks about seeing face to face. And I have a hard time understanding how seeing the Bible complete is me seeing face to face. To me, it's talking about the second coming. It's talking about when Christ returns, then we will see him face to face. And then all of our answers will be known. That, that is how I would interpret that scripture. That's the hermeneutics of that scripture. That's We have to look at the big picture here. Because when we take parts, that's when things get jumbled up. I agree that when completeness comes, all that will fade away. But I do not believe we're talking about the Bible here. Yes, the Bible is complete. Yes, it has been canonized. And, and most have agreed that it's great. It is the Word of God. And as it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says, All Scripture is God-breath. And it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yes, it is useful for teaching, for reproof and training in righteousness. But how can we see the Bible face to face? I would say that God's word, his logos, is complete. But as I talked about before, his rima, the word that is moving the church with signs and wonders, with miracles and gifts that, that God gave us to spread the gospel. 
Well, that will not be complete until we see the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That completeness will come when Jesus returns. That is when all mysteries will be revealed. And that is when we will know fully and when we will fully be known. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, for the completeness that is your word. That brings life to us, Father God. That absolutely speaks into our existence. Father, I would be lost without your word. I would be lost, Father God, without the ability to know your heart on these pages, God. Father God, I ask today that, that as my friends and my family and anyone listening, that they understand my heart is not that, that your Bible is not enough because your Bible is enough. But Father God, I want us to be reminded that your Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to us, constantly speaking life into us, God. That Lord, as, as we go forth and do your will, that that we still need to listen to you. We still need to trust you. We still, Father God, need your spirit to interpret these words and help us, Lord, to, to know your plans for our lives. Father God, today I ask that you continue to help us seek miracles. Help us, Father God, seek the higher gifts so that, Lord, we can bring a lost world to, to your son, Jesus. Because, Father God, as you are continuing to move in, in, in my city, in my state, in my country, Lord God, I believe, I believe greater things than this will we do. Greater things, Father God, you are going to show. Because, Lord God, that is how we are going to have masses come to know Christ. So, Lord God, today I pray for, for that Pentecost spirit, that miraculous spirit, Lord God, that has changed lives and hearts all over the world today, God, that we can understand that, that we can feel your presence in a new and powerful way, that, Father God, your, your Rima word will push and direct and, and cause the church, Lord God, to move forward in a victorious way. And Father God, right now, I just want to take a moment and pray for, for the absolute craziness of our, of our world. We pray, Father God, for the riots in Minnesota. We pray for, for, for people to have love for one another. Forgive us, Father God, if we've stepped out and, and we've done things that would, that would cause people to think that we did not love them because of the color of their skin. Help us, Lord God, to be able to reach out to anyone that we know and show them love. Help us, Lord God, to be Christ-like to every single human being. That, Father God, we are reminded that all men are created equal. That, Lord, you, the Creator, you made us all. And there is no difference because of the color of our skin. The same blood that Jesus shed on the cross is the same blood that we all shed, God. And so today, Father, I ask for your peace. I ask for your strength. 
And Father God, I ask for angels to be sent to Minnesota and anywhere else, Lord God, in the world that, that people are fighting and arguing because of the color of their skins. Let this be done, God. Let our hearts and minds be turned to Christ. And let us go forth victoriously right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. I love you guys. I pray that you have a wonderful day today. I pray that God does signs and wonders in your life and that you are able to seek him in a new and powerful way. He has plans for you. Do not forget that. God bless you and we'll talk to you at the races. Bye-bye.